this is Joy Gilfillan, host of I Change Justice, where members of the Restorative Community Coalition talk civics with people who are living in the aftermath of an arrest. People confronting the compound dilemmas, ripple effects, and consequences on their family, friends, and taxpayers. Listeners' discretion is advised for this information can be disturbing and can trigger an emotional reaction. This is about lived experiences, discussed for taxpayer education, and to advance justice system reform. It is not to be used for legal advice. Hello, my name is Joy Gilfillan. I'm host of the I Change Justice podcast and president of the Restorative Community Coalition. I'm here today to interview three different people who have been working with us inside the Restorative Community Coalition, working with this project of discovering what are degenerative systems, what are regenerative systems, and how can we, as generators of our future, change our focus on how we build our civic systems. And that's big fancy words for a very human process. This entire episode today is going to be talking about our emotions and our feelings as we work with change, because we're all in this deep period of incredible unrest. We're dealing with a lot of civic turbulence and election turbulence and all kinds of turbulence in the world around us. So I'd like to open the call with each one of you just giving a brief you know, introduction, why were you willing to even engage with us in this process? Because some of it was online, some of it's been in person, some of it's been in courses or classes that we've been doing. So who wants to start first? Eve, are you in the position to want to start? Yeah, I can, I can go. So, <laughs> so hello, I'm Eve, and um, I have, I'm a member of the Restorative Community Coalition, and I have decided to come and, and work with this amazing group of people because I see that there's change needed in the world that, um, and it seems very possible here because there's so many wonderful dedicated people to, who are um, looking towards healing. And um, the, the healing process seems to be something that's, that's very important. I myself have gone, have had a generational trauma due to the dominative system. And uh, it's, and so it's something very personal to me that by working here and learning through the Restorative Community Coalition, I've been able to heal a lot of my generational trauma just by the work that we're doing in, because it's in an environment that is conducive to that inclusivity and uh, for everyone to be able to heal and move forward together. Awesome. Thank you so much, Eve. And Karen, what about you? Well, I want to thank Eve for kind of, you know, basically setting out the whole context here. Um, I also came to the restorative uh, community coalition because of a deep personal desire to see some system change. Trained as a mediator, I understand how when persons in dispute, a lot of times that gets broken down into a win-lose narrative, particularly if you go through the court system. 
So as a mediator, I was trained in techniques to look at what's at the root of what people are trying, need that's trying to get met. And how can um, though the two participants become partners in responding to those unmet needs rather than adversaries? And so it's it's a switch in a model in a switch from a, a dominator model, a power over model, to a power with model, which is similar language to what Eve was using. And what I really am excited about with this particular group, and again, Eve, you know, described this as a group that the environment is right for us to come together and we're supportive. And the language that I'm familiar would be circles of trust, that this is one large circle of trust where I trust that what I'm feeling and what I'm processing will be held among the group, and they will help me in my journey of processing that. Awesome. So you're talking about two different levels of safety and security within a context of rapid change. That's what we're dealing with a lot. Would you both agree with that? Oh, yes. Okay. Most definitely. So the next person is uh, Frank. Frank comes from a different world entirely from both of yours. So Frank, will you share with us what this process, this journey of change is um, for you and why you have been willing to put a lot of effort into understanding what we're trying to do here? Sure. My name is uh, Frank Baldwin. I live here in Austin, Texas. Um, mainly, I just see that the world's kind of gone sideways. Um, there's a lot of persecutors, victims, and rescuers, and I see it kind of in myself. I see it in my community and I see it in the world. And what I thought I could bring is just the possibility of helping people to switch towards a building, um, innovative and uh, or a leading example. So I, this, this process is helping me a great deal. Uh, also to be able to help others like my family um, and also ultimately just make some sort of an impact. So awesome. Thank you, Frank. And if we were to talk about what we've been discovering here, really, how is it affecting you and your perception of the world at large? Because in Whatcom County, for example, we're dealing with um, a lot of conflict between the very wealthy, the very poor, and the space in between where people are trying to figure out what's going on with the economy, for example, and what's going on with our rank and our file systems, our jobs, our world. What are the kinds of things that it's helping you to think about as you've been working with the Restorative Community Coalition? Um, and let me take it one step farther. One of the things that we've been working on during this whole time is not just how do we adjust, but how do we become leaders of change? Because it's one thing to just live and be reactive to change, but how do we become leaders of change? So each one of you in your own way, you're being challenged to say, how do I step out of this victim, persecutor, you know, bully or, or judgment place, right? And persecutor, rescuer, victim, how do we step out of that habit pattern as a 
a leader, perhaps an insignificant leader in the world, but a significant leader as the self-determining person striving to change your own life, taking back possession of your own soul, if you will, and then move it into the next place. So if you will speak to this construct of self-leadership or self, you know, what is it that you're learning about that? So um, I I'll can ask, I can answer that. Um, okay. So um, you said it yourself, how do you get back, back here, you know, back to yourself? Um, it's really, it's really starting right here with, with ourselves. It's going in and it's looking and it's seeing how do we function? What are, what are we thinking about? What are we feeling? Why are we feeling these things? Why are we thinking this way? What are the belief systems that we're carrying that are um, allowing for us to have these these um, these kind of thoughts and and reactions to things? So it's do it's looking first in our internal mirrors, and then it's doing that work to start to shed away those things that that. Um, that are no longer suiting that that are actually causing us damage that we haven't noticed that that the world that we're creating around us is the world that we've created and so we're creating that on automatic pilot by not doing that internal work by not looking into those internal mirrors and then shedding away those things and once we start to do that then we can actually start to see the world around us through a cleaner filter and then we can see, all right, now what are the next steps that need to be taken to go forward? Because now that I have these filters clean, I'm seeing I'm seeing things around me that have been here the whole time, but I haven't noticed, but they're really big problems. They're really big things that I actually have the ability to, ch to make change in because that's part of my expertise and of my essence of who I am and my soul. And that's why I came here. So then I start to see that and, and then I can start to walk forward and, and make needed um, these needed um, passive pass steps, needed yeah. steps. Uh -huh. Thank you. Yeah. So you learn to walk up this little ladder a little bit at a time because you can see the ladder in the first place, you know, yeah. instead of still sweat swimming around in this abyss in this fog of, of how it's been you're, I mean, I'm putting words in your mouth, but what I'm hearing you say is that, as you start to see outside of this old way of seeing, you start to see different handholds that you can take to climb out or, you know, different steps you can take or, or different actions, you know, different relationships you can build to help you see how to climb out of where. Yes. And it's important to remember that we are the creators of our own experience. And by coming from a place of, of that creator mindset that creator spirit then we can go forth and make those needed changes so that we can create the world that we want to live in that's really awesome thank you so much for sharing that eve and who wants to speak next go ahead karen okay i'm going to develop on on what eve has already spoken about because i think um even Eve and I tend to come at these at slightly different trajectories. They're, um, you know, one's not better than the other. They're they're complementary. So while um, 
Eve is a person that goes internal. <laughs> I'm the social activist. I'll go external. <laughs> so um, it, I see a piece of, of an overall um, puzzle of the predicament that the world's in is that, yes, we have created our own reality, but it's not merely um, just that we all are inhabiting um, thinking that is deconstructive, but that our systems, our institutions have been um, encrusted and, and made in, in stone um, a structure from that thinking that keeps us trapped in that degeneration. So no matter how much internal work I do on myself, I feel there's a missing piece of there needs to be some ultimate system change so that that change that is happening internally can be nurtured in the collective. So what you're talking about is what one of the things that the Restorative Community Coalition started studying a few years ago was the, how the domination system sets up these jails and these prisons and these gates and these guards and these, these supposed public safety systems. And, and yet they become public entrainment systems or chain, you know, they chain us down and they hold us to old patterns of belief. So how do we break off some of those chains so that we can start looking at who are we different from what our systems have trained us to be? Because over right. thousands and, of years, yes. And I think one of those beliefs that we all have inherited is the belief that we're separate, that, you know, Eve is separate from who I am. Frank is separate who I am. Joy is separate from who I am. So that my little uh, decision-making process really doesn't impact you guys. I mean, you're all in different cities, okay? Two of you are in different states. So how could I possibly have any impact on you? But COVID has revealed <laughs> um, and made very apparent that that's not true. That that's a belief that's false, but yet it, it not only got ingrained and entrained into our human system, but it got trained into our social and criminal systems that were separate identities. So if someone steps out of line, then what you need to do is apply some punishment so that they rectify their behavior. And so actually that can be contraindicated because the very reason that you punish them in many cases, because some of our systems are designed this way, is to make money on the punishment system. So there's no reason to actually help people be better. There's actually reasons to actually keep them into this entrainment pattern. And the people who are running the system don't even realize they're entrained to a negative yeah. system because they believe that what they're doing is the right thing. So Frank, what is it that you would like to say about this before we take a break? Sure, I'd like to say that, um, you know, I'm listening that Eve looks deeply into herself, that Karen maybe looks at it more externally. And I'm probably different than both because I've, I've noticed that listening has been a very difficult thing 
for me to accomplish. Just <laughs> ask, I just ask my children, they'll tell you. Um, so it's it's been very important for me to see both of these sides and then create a new possibility to be able to listen and be able to, to feel, to be able to, to be with the situation that's at hand. Um, and, and this process is helping me both internally and externally to help other people, for example, create what they need to create, break down the barriers that they have. Maybe it's technological fragmentation barriers, for example. So, yeah. So it's really, it's really interesting as you're talking, what I, what I realize you're male and these, these two are female, but there's something else that you're talking about. And that is the, the ability to see beyond the barriers of our ideological belief systems, because I, I think that's part of what I've heard you learning to do is to see beyond, you know, listening is not an either or thing. Listening is actually in the space between these perception boxes that we're in. So let's take a quick break here and we'll be right back. But let's have each one of you think and in our listening audience, because that's the point of this, is in the, your listening audience, think about how your body has responded to the different people whose voices you're hearing who you really don't know them, but you're feeling into what are they saying? And what are they doing? And what is my process for learning and focusing on intentional change? Because we're talking about the I change justice. It's the intentionally changing our justice systems within, without, and around and about. So let's take a break and we'll be right back. Are you a member of patreon.com and enjoying our podcasts? As a patron, you can support the production of the I Change Justice podcast series. You can also support the Restorative Community Coalition, get our news, updates, and access to our digital training programs downloaded directly to your email address on a regular basis. Welcome back to the call, and we'll hear again from Eve and Karen and Frank as we take this to another level. So what is it that you've been learning as learners or what have you been thinking as you even as you're listening to each other right now what is changing or what's evolving in your life as we talk about these systems of of justice inside out and around about um i would i would like to say that um that internal work it's so important and it helps with the in, external because when we learn about ourselves then we can learn, we can learn about others. And community is one of the number one things that um, humans need to be healthy and safe. And so um, there's so many beautiful human beings in this community and, um, and just sharing the sharing each one of our our knowledges and our experiences and our expertise and um, being able to come together and share that and create create something out here in where we can actually have have the opportunity to create change and um, because so when um these these um, system changes when they're occurring when they because they they need to occur and but it takes us to stand up it takes us to 
to um, realize, you know, that waking up, the looking around, what it, doing that internal evaluation that because all humans are are the same. So we're going through the same change as an entirety of mankind. So when we're doing the internal work, then we can understand better how does the external work because it it's as above, so below, as within, so without. So it goes hand in hand. So um, by being able to connect here and learn from each other and and have this beautiful vision of, of what it is that we really want to be living, um, I've been able to learn so much and I've been able to grow and I've... Um, I've been able to identify certain things that I, I hadn't been able to identify before. So my internal work can only go so far individually, but then I need my community to help me with the rest because I can never do it alone. And so that's, that's a beautiful thing that I've been able to experience here. So thank you for that. So that's really fun because it's the inside out and the upside down in our case and the roundabout and and it's in the polarities of difference not to fight with each other but the polarities of difference that we can stand back enough to be able to see how somebody else might see it's just like how our eyeballs work our eyeballs i think i think i know what i'm saying and seeing and, and what i'm hearing but it's going through my own cpu my central processing unit and what my brain and what my eyes are seeing may be totally different. You know, I might be saying I see green and you're actually seeing yellow or orange or some other color. I don't even know how color identification works, but we see different colors. We hear different sounds and different words. And so it's through the richness of these differences that we can start to see and feel and experience a different emotion. So go ahead, Karen. I want to pick up on this thread that Eve has laid in terms of the interconnectedness and the continuity. Mm -hmm. um, in, in the language of like civic engagement, Parker Palmer has uh, the thought of a Mobius strip that uh -huh. is like an infinity, infinity sign that flips back on itself. So as you're doing that infinity sign out to someone, um, you, you're pulling from your interior to the exterior to exchange with someone and then connecting with their energy and bringing that energy back into yourself. So it's that constant um, unfolding, infolding of energy that's, that's going back and forth. One of the things that has really got my juices flowing in the restorative justice community is kind of looking at how, to me, it seems that there's three, I don't know if I would call them parts or three different levels maybe of conversation and action, both internal and external, that appear to be going on. In San Antonio, we have offered a, a training in compassionate integrity training. 
And so as a compassionate city, we look to go through a 10-week process of spending three weeks looking at compassion for self, that would be that internal work, compassion for others, that how am I extending that external work, and then compassion for systems, recognizing that our systems are calcified, but you know how can we bring some change to them, kind of um, soften them. And so I think those are the three levels, so to speak, that our conversations and our activities are focusing on, and they're happening simultaneously. So while I might have an inclination to say, well, I'm an activist, I focus on the exterior outer world, that might be true. But I don't want to dismiss that the key to the whole, so to speak, is acknowledging there also needs to be internal work happening at the same time. And there needs to be an examination of the system. And you started out the call, Joy, saying that, you know, our, our systems can take the form of being degenerative or regenerative. So is it it's not only saying, okay, we have a bunch of degenerative systems, that's the critique. Then we really have to get to the work of, okay, how do we move from that? How internally and externally do we create systems that are regenerative? That's incredibly well said. I mean, that is incredibly well said. Does one of you want to comment on that? I feel like she blew it out the water. <laughs> perfect, perfect. Yeah. You know, it's that's really one of the biggest challenges we have to deal with when we have systems that we believe are fixed. We forget that we created the systems in the first place, or our ancestors did, or our predecessors. Somebody in the past made these systems up. And we turn them into fixed things as if they're real, but and they are real. I mean, if you run up against a, a jail gate, believe me, it's real. But somebody created those out of fear or out of protection or out of something. Go ahead, Eve. I just want to say, going with that, that uh, someone created them, you know, our forefathers created them, you know, the, the generations before us uh, allowed the system to grow and get to the to how it is now. And um, which means that for me, um, where I believe that what is what is civics, you know, what is our civic duty, our civic duty is then when we see something that is um, that needs some tweaking or needs some work or needs some readjusting or whatever you want to say, then that's our civic duty to stand up and and start creating those those different tweaks and conditions so that that the systems can get to where they need to be so that they're congruent with the um, purpose of human life, which is to be happy and to prosper. That's in any ways where I'm at with that. <laughs> That's really important because civic responsibility is oftentimes 
labeled as you're supposed to go out and do your duty to the civic system or because of the civic system. And if you don't do your duty, then you're wrong or you're bad or whatever. And that's part of this whole disciplinary process of our system. When in fact, what you just spoke about is your civic duty is to care. And it's to be responsible for the legacy leave of your parents and your grandparents, but it's also to self-correct and to change who we are. I know that, Frank, when you were talking, you were talking about, you made a comment about your your your, your progeny, your children, your, your people who are following you, and sometimes they didn't think you were listening. And so now you're working on part of this process of listening. That has to have changed who you are. So what have you got to say about where we're at so far before we take another break? Um, where we're, we're at so far, each person's going through their own journey. Um, my, my personal journey is just to really understand the outside and also go inside and just clear my own sadness, anger, fear, and exactly why it was that I didn't feel those. Um, that that took something and this process that i've been in with the rcc is and, and intentional change network it's really helped amplify what was kind of hidden that was there all along so you've been able to get in touch with these differences in a way that's safe enough so that you can stop long enough to listen to what some of the other people are saying and what your children might be saying differently from what you thought they were saying maybe and being able to listen to what different people across these different stigmatas or stigmas or layers have to say, because it is a very diverse conversation that we're having here. <laughs> Would you say that that's true? It's a very diverse conversation. And even just creating the possibility of listening, that's all I've been creating, not even listening. Again, ask my children. I, I'm just creating the possibility of listening. And I didn't know, I didn't know that I had some blind spots that were covering up hidden beliefs that my emotions were actually pointing to, sadness, anger, or fear. Um, and once you see those beliefs, uh, it's great. You can just do the opposite energy, and then you can create the positive polarity and move forward very quickly without being derailed. I, I, I think I've been derailed for a very long time, and what I'm creating the possibility of is going the right direction during, you know, in, in this, in this polarity, it's, it's kind of like the old movie, uh, you know, planes, trains, and all automobiles in the eighties, where the guy was just saying, you're going the wrong way. That's the big part of the movie right in the middle. You're going the wrong way. They were going down the wrong way in the one way street. You <laughs> can turn yourself around and go the, you're going the wrong way. You got to listen that you really are going the wrong way. <laughs> Well, that's fun. Um, do you want to say anything else before we close up? I mean, before we switch to another channel and take a break and come back shortly. Go ahead, Eve. I would like to say that um, what was just described there about knowing but not knowing about like not really knowing where you're at or you have this blind spot, knowing that like, not knowing that you have this blind spot. Well, within the, you know, the Raising Geniuses, there's a developmental stages of kind of returning to this kind of more um, state where you kind of see a little bit more. So the first stage is laying down stage, which is the routine stagnant rut stage. 
<laughs> and we don't know that we're in a routine stagnant rut. Every day, day in, day out, we're doing the same thing over and over and over and over. And we don't know that we're in that routine stagnant rut. We don't know that we're in that stage because we can't see it. So that's why for me, it is so important, this internal work, because when we do this internal work and we look in the external, it's simultaneous. Like Karen was saying earlier, it's simultaneous because we have internal gardens and external gardens. So when we're pruning our gardens, we're weeding them, we're, we're planting them, we're making them so beautiful inside, in our mind, in our hearts, in our bodies. And that comes out externally into our external world. And so, but by doing that work, then we can see, oh, we're in a routine stagnant rut. And I didn't know that I didn't know. And because we can't know that we, what we don't know. So then we have to then do that. Then we can go on to the next stages. Go ahead, Frank. Yeah, I just want to state that even if looking at this process through a selfish lens, uh, the outcome of going through this, seeing the costs um, and actually going through this is energy. I mean, I, I keep hearing a lot of people saying, I, I take pills, I need to go exercise. Um, I, I just am feeling down and depressed. I have to take weed or something to pick, pick me up. I have to take alcohol. All this like downward energy. And I'm telling you, because I've experienced it myself, you go through this process and outcome purely selfish as a beginning point is energy. You, it, it releases this, releasing these blind spots, releases whatever your subconscious maybe 30% of you is working in this unsolvable problem. Once you see this blind spot that's unsolvable, it's solved, you release, well, I don't know, I'm just guessing 30% of your energy towards whatever you want to create in your life. And it's physical. You can actually feel the energy and you create something new out of it. Uh, so yeah, it, it's a start. So what's really funny is you guys were talking, I was thinking back and when I was a little kid, um, eight, nine, 10 years old, I had a Shetland pony and we had a wagon. And we had, uh, you know, wheels that got to go. And when it was raining in the early spring, sometimes we would have ruts, like literally ruts. It means where the wagon wheel had been stuck in a spot. Well, what was interesting is the cattle sometimes would walk across the rut. And when they rocked across the rut in the mud, they would create these bumps, you know, and your wagon would get her off sideways or up and down. It was really uncomfortable. And until I was old enough to know that I needed to cover up the ruts, I kept going down the ruts and that was very uncomfortable. And eventually what I realized is that it was better to fix the ruts while they were still wet rather than trying to go in and fix them afterwards because we didn't have running water. So there's these learning curves of learning to notice that a rut is forming, which is called prevention. And then that there's a point in time where's the optimal time to fix the rut so it doesn't get worse and calcified into position so that later on when you're going down the rut or what used to be the rut, it actually becomes just a pathway that you can take the wagon down and everything's cool and copacetic. So let's take a break and we'll be right back with our guests, Eve, Karen, and Frank. Thank you to our donors whose contributions help our clients directly. You can see the sponsors list and the names of donors and members who are publicly recognized on our website at therestorativecommunity.org. All contributions are appreciated. You can also subscribe to our newsletter, volunteer, donate monthly, or leave a legacy gift by clicking on the donate button. So welcome back. 
I'd like to ask each one of you to take a few minutes to explain to our listeners what it's like. I mean, it wasn't always easy to go into these conversations of domination and destruction and calcified behaviors and all the guilt that we feel about systems that didn't work from the past, but we're still doing them today because we didn't have a better idea. So we're changing into becoming leaders of change for the future. How do we make that shift? Or what did you learn from this process that you could share in a few minutes each? Um, so as a multicultural, multiracial uh, person, I have um, I have generational trauma in my in my history, and there was there wasn't really a place where there was never really a space that I had in order to speak about some of these these traumas or these things that have affected my family line. And um, until coming here to the Restorative Community Coalition, because there's there's never there was never that safe place, but here there's that safe place. And so by being able to have these conversations and and learn new perspectives, new points of view, and you know, different from my own, and also to have my own be respected, to be honored, to have a safe place to express itself, I've been able to learn just a little bit more about that trauma that I have been carrying within me that, and the, the depression, the chronic depression that I was carrying through my life, anger, sadness, different things that I was carrying that I wasn't able to process in the past. But now, because having this opportunity to speak in such an open place that has been safe for me, and um, I've been able to recognize them and then process through them. And so now moving forward, this is something that I feel that would be really, really important for our communities to be able to have this place to have uh, open open conversations, safe conversations where everyone honors each other, where they're coming from, where they're at, and not be like, no, be quiet, your voice doesn't matter, or this, this conversation is too scary for me, or, you know, it can't happen, it has to be shut down. But I feel like it's important to, to be able to recognize where we've come from, but not stay there to be able to then move move through the, the work that needs to be done as communities, as different communities coming together and integrating, and then moving forward to a future where we can all have this, um, this space where, where real solutions can, can come about for our communities. Thank you. That's that is the hope and desire of the Restorative Community Coalition as we've been doing this work is to help us figure out how do we actually move ourselves into the future in a way that can nourish and build the human potential into what we're capable of being. Uh, Frank, it's appears that you want to speak. Sure. Uh, just 10 seconds to say that in terms of learning, understanding, learning about the violence triangles was really an eye opener to see what's happening that's hidden. Um, and in, in terms of hope, um, the, the main thing that I'm hoping for is to, 
since I happen to have the main four racial identities of the Americas, meaning that I'm quote unquote white, I'm quote unquote uh, Native American, I'm quote unquote black as a Northern African, and I'm quote unquote uh, Hispanic. So I've got the four major big influences of the Americas. My biggest hope is that the guilt that each of those four, we'll call them groups, feel, the guilt, this white guilt, this, this, this Native American guilt, this black guilt, this Hispanic guilt is shed. Because it's really, you can't create anything if you're inside of a blind spot. So if we can create over time, the, just the possibility of those, that guilt shield just dropping on its own, I think it creates a huge possibility. Wow, a guilt shield. I've not heard that phrase before. When we're talking about the violence triangle, we're referring to Galtung's violence triangle and Galtung's conflict theories, which are part of the things that we've been studying along with the joy triangle model that I invented quite a while ago to help my kids navigate through change. But before that, the compounding spiral models that we're going to be teaching about how we created a pattern. And once a pattern gets calcified, just like the rut in the mud, you know, once it gets stuck in place, you got to unpack. How did we get here? And how did these things make us angry? I mean, I know that when you're going down the rut and you're sitting in the wagon and it doesn't have springs in it and you hit a rut, you can be knocked over and go head to head with your the my little brother who was sitting next to me. I could hit him and he could turn around and slug me. But it wouldn't solve the problem. What we really needed to do was fix the rut in the road. So that's part of what you're talking about. Thank you so much for bringing that forward, Frank. Um, Karen, do you want to go next? Sure. Um, I actually want to go right into your spiral technologies, because I think that is the gem that I really gleaned throughout uh, our conversations. I've always intuited that the system needed to be, um, we needed to create a new system. Tinkering with the current one isn't enough um, because it's created out of the remnants of genocide and slavery. And so we need an, an entirely new um, ethos in which to frame and hold that new spiraling into community that cares for the entire community, the entire universe, and not just privileges some at the expense of others. Another I think key insight for me was, and, and, and this is because, you know, Eve talks and, and she hasn't in this call, but in, in conversations with Eve, she talks in terms of our right hemisphere in our brain and our left hemisphere in our brain. And I've been entrained in a very logical linear mapping. And so when thinking about how to bring change to a system that I don't have any faith in <laughs> and that I believe is, is you know, um, dominative and I want to, you know, 
exchange that power over to a power with. Um, <laughs> I lost my train of thought here. Right brain, left brain, linear. Yes. So, so in my in my linear, one of the, thank you so much, Eve. See, you're invaluable to me. Um, in in my uh, linear thinking, I just thought if we had trauma informed civic engagement, if we knew, so to speak, that you know we live in a traumatized world, and we, if we just kind of you know were compassionate to one another that we could kind of find our way through to a new system. But I'm finding that healing is needing to take a much more forefront and um, integral position in that movement from degenerative to regenerative because it is a spiral, it keeps happening. So trauma keeps coming up as we unearth trauma, okay? More trauma comes out, okay? And so we have to respond to that because if we just try and bury it or ignore it like we have in the past, it's gonna exponentially grow, okay? So the more we unearth, the more we pull back the layers, the more layers we're gonna find. And so it's gonna be that um, cyclical nature where we need to be constantly bringing back um, the, a healing modality to look at that hurt, the residual hurt and saying, have we gotten to the bottom of that hurt? Have we got to the core? And we may at particular times think, oh, we have. And then two conversations down the road, we find out, oops, no, we haven't. Um, you know, Socrates was for, famous for saying that answers are only pauses in time. <laughs> because you can have an answer, but then a new question will pop up and it'll change the answer. If you're truly working in a curiosity, desiring to change place, that's a perfect, perfect example. And that's what the Restorative Community Coalition has learned over the last 16 years as we've been growing. Every time we think we get to another good answer, there's a pause and we go, well, yeah, but that changed that. So now what do we do? So Eve, you've got the closing last words here. You've got a, just a couple minutes to, to wrap it up. What do you think about this whole experience? Mm, well, I was, I'm not sure if what, because there was some things I was wanting to say, and I'm not sure if that goes along with your question, but I feel that, uh, I feel like there were so many um, amazing things that Karen brought up that I would like to kind of go on. So, so the, I think, I think the power over to the power with, that is so important uh -huh. because the, the colonization system has created within all of us that power over, whether it's someone's power over us and or us over power someone else. And this is from the top down, from 
if if you look at the the governmental systems within all of the countries, you'll see that however it's however it's um, formulated, however it's ran, it it also runs within the family structure and within the, in the individual. So it's it's looking at that. So so we mimic top down, and um, so with the with the layers and layers of healing, it's kind of like you have a you have a root system. So you have you have a tree, and the root system is going down into your psyche. So think of yourself as the ground, and then the the roots that are going through. Um, those roots, and it may be maybe a garden. Maybe instead of a tree, I'll put a garden because you've got some weeds. You know, you've got some flowers. You've got some different things in there. So with the root system, though, it doesn't just go straight down. You've got as it goes spread out and it goes down through the different facets of the psyche. And because if you look at how the, the government is structured, you'll see a decompartmentalization. Everything is compart it's compartmentalized, everything. So if, if it's in fact that we as an individual behave the same way that our government does, then we're compartmentalized. So the facets of our psyche are compartmentalized instead of being integrated. So with the root system of trauma, each of the roots are going into a different facet of our mind, of our psyche, of our emotions, of everything. So as we're going through and, and we're working, we're working um, with our internal work and we're working through different processes, well, maybe, maybe the, the weed that we take out, you know, maybe that root we've taken out of one facet of our mind, but then we have other facets that those root system is connected into. So we're going to go back into not the same. It's it's maybe be the, oh, I already worked through this, but I worked through this in my emotional side. It, well, and then our emotions have different. So in my sad side, or I work through it in my angry side, but I didn't work through it in, you know, in these other different facets. So each time we have to work through it from a different facet, a different section. Um, and so um, about the left brain, right brain. So we have the, we have the, um, we have the left brain. It's more logical. It's here in the physical present. It's, um, and then the right brain is creative and uh, it's connected to, more spiritual aspects of us or different there's different workings within there so usually the left brain will tell the right brain no shut up sit down you don't know what you're talking about i don't want to hear it it's it's stupid you know whatever but when we start to when we start to um come into alignment with that how do we come into alignment with that how do we trick the left brain into accepting the right brain well we have to go through the physical so physical movement. So it's finding a way to integrate those three and so that there can be an integration where it starts to respect. As soon as the left brain starts to respect the right brain and listen to it, then they can start to work in harmony with each other. And it's and you were talking about the the um the infinity. This is how I do for the right brain, I take it here into my left, and then my left into my right, like this. So it's my internal world with my external world because I have the creative thought and then I have the conscious action 
And so, um, so that's, that's a way for the left and right brain to start working together in harmony. And well, that's the same when you have Western world um, thought, thoughts and, um, and actions and the modalities. And then you have the more natural mother cultures, you know, modalities. And so then you put them together, which is the, the mother cultures are like the right brain. And then the Western world is like the left brain. So when they can start working together like this in harmony, then we can start to have a healing integration within all of society. But it, that takes, again, that takes the internal work. Why, why must I judge this type of people? Why must I judge this type of thinking or this type of learning? Um, instead, let's see what works. And so, um, yeah, so that's where I am with that. Thank you. That's absolutely superb. And we're pretty much out of time, but I really would like, and I really would like to welcome and thank Eve and Karen and Frank for being on this call. You guys are amazing human beings and you're going to be on the call a few more times as we start to launch a new regeneration series. Regenerative justice is part of what we're going to talk about. And we're going to do these online in Zoom calls. We're going to start building a network of people working together on our own community to help each other create the tendrils of trust that go between our communities so that we can help each other weave a new pattern of human compassion, caring, changing, and teamwork into the future. Thank you all. Thank you both so much and all three of you for coming on the call. Thank you. Thank you all for listening. Please share our podcast with your friends and family. Subscribe at Spotify, iTunes, or from your favorite playlists. At therestorativecommunity.org, you're invited to subscribe to our newsletter, connect through social media, or send us feedback on our shows. If you're inclined to help, you can volunteer, donate, learn more, and connect at info at therestorativecommunity.org. Contributing helps us empower those silenced by oppression so they can emerge into their higher potential. Thank you.